take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and we are now in Season 2, Chapter 6. Today, I have with me John Watkins. John Watkins will share so many ideas with you. If you have a balloon show, there are some marketing tips for you. If you don't have any balloon shows, there are ways of how you can make them, and John will teach all the frameworks for that. And if you have a balloon show and you want to improve that, then John's ideas are just phenomenal for you as well. So there's something for everyone. I took so many ideas from him. I will tell you all about it after the show. And it is a little bit longer than usual, about one hour and five minutes. But it's so worth your time. Look, there are like seven different tips that you can take from this interview that are just so much worth your time so much worth your time especially the marketing tips at the end where it's just crazy and the funny sentences that john uses gosh this interview is so valuable so see you at the other end of the interview with john watkins hello balloon artist podcast nation this is zivi kivi and we are now in season two chapter six i'm so excited about today's interviewee the one and only john watkins john is a performer that uses balloons and magic in his shows but he's much more than that he's a marketer he's just a brilliant business person and i'm so impressed about what he does in all of his businesses one of the things that he does uh, he's using balloons and magic and performances in order to help all kinds of companies market their products. And that is something that uh, definitely I'm interested in going into. John helped uh, with his company, Red Suit Experience. He managed to help his customers sell products for $71 million, which is quite an amazing. Like 30 million of them were just in one deal. He helped to sell a ship, like a yacht, which is just a, a funny story by itself. He's performing throughout the world. He was performing in China for like 386 different cities. His experience is just amazing. His tips are golden, and I really think you'll get a lot of this. So hello, John Watkins. What's up? Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me here. I love the show. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk first and foremost about how to structure your show, whether it's a balloon show or a magic show, you are the expert on that. You did it many times. You structured your show from scratch and for specific needs. So you have the skill. Tell us all about it. How do you go into it when you need to do it? How do you structure a show? Sure. That's, that's great. I appreciate that. For everybody listening, thanks so much for listening. If you have any recommendations or suggestions, I always love hearing about it, but uh, hopefully you benefit from some of the things that I've learned. One common thing that I've found from everybody who taught me, helped me where I am, um, taught me how to be a performer, how, how to be a marketer, in both performance and marketing, they have one common theme. It's how are you going to help the people? And so we all have our favorite tricks or balloons that we like to do. That's great. You should incorporate that into your show. But my advice would be find out and think about what the people who are going to be seeing you want and not only what they want, but what they need. 
slight difference there. You know, I want to see something beautiful, but I have certain needs. And if you look back to, there was a, a type of performance which used to be very, uh, very big in the United States and Europe, South America even. Um, and it kind of came out of fashion. But now if you look at it, most modern performances are actually following a certain formula. It's called vaudeville. And vaudeville is a very simple idea. It has three acts. So each of your shows is going to have three different acts, three different progressions. The first one is make them laugh. The second one is make them clap. And the third one is make them cry or make them smile. So the idea behind this, I'll do it really quickly and real brief, briefly, is everybody who walks through the world today suffers from stress. And there are two different types of stress. One is distress. Distress. It's my boss is yelling at me. My kids are not thinking I'm the superhero I always wanted to be. I have to do the laundry. I have to clean the house. This is distress. And then there's also something called eustress, which is your kid runs up to you and gives you a hug and says, thank you so much. I love you. Eustress is a good thing. It's seeing the sun come out on a, on a sad day. It's just feeling that warmth and being happy. Um, so you can use both of these to figure out how to solve a person's need. So if you can make a joke about somebody, oh, and then I punched my boss in the face. It's not really that funny, but people kind of smile and laugh at it because they all have thoughts about punching their boss in the face because, well, he's a jerk. Well, if you can make a joke about relieving some of the distress, it makes people happy. If you can make a joke about good times and create memories about when things were perfect, that's creating you stress. So when you're creating your show, you're essentially going to figure out what people, not only what they want, but what they need. And if you can solve that need... Um, that's pretty much that's the key to any good show, and then it's really up to you and your performance ship. So let me let me reiterate that basically what you're saying is that your focus of the, about structuring the show, even for even before you decide what you will do in it, mm -hmm. you first and foremost think about what the customer or what the audience need and want, and you're trying to understand what are their stresses, so what what is the bothering them and what are their basically their wants, uh, that, that you stress is like happy things that happen to them and you want to emphasize that, you want to empower them with reliving that experience of the you stress, of the, of the positive stress uh, that you mentioned. But uh, is that something that you uh, consider for each portion of the show? Like, is that fit for an eight-minute beat? Is that something that you think for a 45-minute beat? How do you... How, How do you fit it, this uh, frame of thought into a big piece of show? You're correct. And, well, here's the cool thing. It, it sounds very uh, like a lot of work or it sounds like a very big idea. It's very easy. You can do the same thing that we just talked about in even introducing yourself at a party. You can do the same thing if you're on national TV or if you're in an opera house. It's the same thing. Um, it's three simple things. It's hello. It's a body. And it's a conclusion. So when I walk up to people at a bank, normally you're supposed to say, hello, how are you? Well, I walk up and I may say, how has life been so far? And so when I walk up to them, there used to be people saying, hello, how are you? Well, I said, how has life been so far? And it's amazing. If you try the same thing, if you can translate it into your language, um, whoever's listening, 
when you go up to a, someone who is used to the formula, everyone says, hello, how are you? Guten Tag. Whatever they say, they're programmed. They know that this is how it works and it's a formula and they're not being engaged. There's no stress or distress. There's no emotion. There's no life in the interaction. Well, I find a lot of Europeans have this great ability in that they actually do care when they talk to people. So they'll say things that are out of the norm. So by me saying, hi, how has life been so far? Well, I'm breaking the monotony and I'm kind of giving a stress because somebody actually cares and that's you stress that's a good stress and if they do need to chat for half a second and they go well i was having a bad day until you came up it's amazing how many people will say that and then you just look at them and you smile and you shake their hand and you say well good because you have a great smile and hopefully you pass it on to somebody else i swear to gosh you look at them they change their whole life they're you know scurrying around and they're smiling at people so you basically you make their day. You make yeah. their day just from that uh, hello and just for, for making them laugh or smile. That's true. And so so the, the easy part here, though, is that no matter what culture. So I've been, I've been lucky enough to perform in South America, Central America, North America, uh, Asia, um, uh, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, um, uh, Scandinavia, all of these different cultures. We're all human beings different languages, there are different uh, things that are correct and etiquettes that are correct, but it really does come back to make them laugh, make them clap, and make them cry. We're all human beings. We all suffer the same things. We want our children to be happy and healthy, and we want our enemies to leave us alone or to suffer. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, what's cool here is, again, I said, find out what people need and not what they want. And if you look at all people, if you can create your act, based around what all human beings need, which are these three things, make them laugh, make them clap, and make them cry, you can build a great show. So when you're doing a show, if you look at vaudeville, if you can search on the internet, uh, see some videos about vaudeville, and you're going to see a lot of people who will come, it's usually in black and white, you'll see some guy who will come out and he'll, he'll, be, he'll choose one of the different personas. So each of you who's listening has a different persona. Uh, and if you want to be funny, you're either going to come out as the baby who is hopeless and doesn't know better and needs help, and that's a use stress because we all want to take care of a baby. Uh, so you're going to look at uh, Red Skelton was a great, great baby character. So he'd come out and just he'd be walking and he'd drop something, go to pick up, and he'd split his pants. And instead of crying, he'd look at his pants and then look at the audience and give this huge grin like a baby does. Everybody loved him. Within 30 seconds, he was giving off eustress because we love babies. Milton Berle is another guy. And he was a jerk and an insult comedian. But when he was making fun of you in the audience, he was making fun of bosses. He was making fun of the government. He was making fun of um, a dog on a street. He was doing the whole thing with a smirk and a wink out of the corner of his eye, letting you know that he is doing this for you. And so he, you know, so uh, the other character is going to be the uncle. Everybody has an uncle. Everybody has an aunt. They spoil you and they bend the rules a little bit. When mom's not looking, they give you an extra cookie and then they tell you to shh, don't tell mom. So there's all these characters, but they all play on the basic same thing. Human beings want interaction and uh, make them laugh is relieve some of that stress that they've been going through. Once you relieve the stress that they've been going through, they breathe. 
They smile and they owe you. They say, this person cares about me. This person is giving me what I need, not what I want. And then you do make them clap, which is where you're going to show them some skill. So uh, the guy, our vaudevillian would come out and do something, a pie in the face, slip on a banana peel, make them laugh. Um, then he would come out or make somebody make fun of somebody else, make them laugh, and then make them clap is he'd do some kind of skill. So he'd come out and he'd be balancing plates on his chin. He'd balance an elephant on his chin. He'd be riding a unicycle. Um, he would be making a balloon in five seconds. He'd be making two balloons, one in each hand. He'd be pulling a rabbit out of a hat. But he would make it seem as if it was impossible to do, but there was some slight hope that you, the audience, could possibly do this too if you could dedicate. And it just made you feel this hope that even though I'm a factory worker and I, there really is no way that I'm climbing out of this job that I have easily, this person on the stage is showing me I could travel the world. It is possible. There's a little bit of hope. And then finally, the third one, make them cry or make them smile. You would tell them some sentimental story. They just saw you doing all these acrobatics. You'd bring the lights down. The music would come down a little bit too. Maybe you walk into the audience. Maybe you walk to the front of the stage. And you kind of let them know. And I'm going to bring you in on a secret. When I was a child, and you go into some story, and you find some commonality with them, and let them know that you're a human. And then you say, and all these things I went through, I did it. And now my reward is not money. My reward is not glory. My reward is that each one of you right now is listening to me and you give me a moment of your time. You shared a portion of your life with me. I can't tell you how much of a reward this is and I, I really appreciate each and every one of you and I hope that you can do the same for me someday. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, so, <laughs> so Gosh, that, 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 that is great. So basically, the persona you start with for the make them laugh, um, whether it's the baby or the uncle. Um, is that something you change when you go to the next step, when you go to the make them clap step? Yeah, see, that's a great thing, though, because you're going to find out who you are, whoever you are right now, the person you listening to me right now, you're hearing my voices, you are a real person. And there are generally, in my opinion, and in some other people's opinion, there are two types of performer. There's the actor and there's the becomer. An actor is someone who can learn lines, who can learn tricks, who can learn routines, and based on their experience, they will act out a formula. Okay, and this is something that they're following. It's more of a linear um, following. Then there's the becomer. The becomer is not an actor. The becomer, for a moment or two, actually in their mind, becomes a mind worker. And so when they're sweeping up at the end of the day, and they're sweeping and sweeping and sweeping, and then they are sweeping something fake on the stage, well, they don't look at the audience. They're actually sweeping, and you actually believe that they're sweeping because they have, for a moment, become a sweeper, whereas a person who's an actor will be sweeping, but is sweeping in a formula to tell you, hey, look, I am sweeping. They'll make exaggerated movements out of picking up a broom, whereas a becomer, no, they just pick it up while they're checking their watch because that's what we do in real life. So that being said, each one of you who's listening You already are a personality, and you don't want to run away from that. Number one, the way that you look, the way that you move, 
the socioeconomic class that you come from and that you fit into. If you're in Russia, you can't be a certain caste if you were born into another caste. In the United States, if you're a certain class, economic class, yeah, it's very difficult to pretend to be another economic class. So don't run away from that because that's who you are. And the key to convincing people into doing each of these steps or creating your own character, your own personality, is, persona, is that it must be built on something honest and true. If you build on a lie, human beings are smart. We figured that out and we don't like you. So whoever you are and whoever you're going to be in all three sections, uh, you're already that. You just need to find out um, how to react in each situation and feel the heartbeat of the people in the audience. And the way you're going to do that is by doing 10,000 hours of performance. You just get a second nature on how to feel it. When you go to the last part, the make them smile or make them cry, will you do the make them cry bit uh, one time per show? So if you have a 45-minute show, you will do one type of make them cry? And, and I want to be clear, um, make them cry doesn't mean that they actually have to cry. But what you're doing is some, you're sharing something sentimental. You're sharing something personal. Some performers will do uh, actually what's called stock setups, or uh, they'll do a uh, pre-thought of um, interruption of their show. So while they're performing, they're performing, they're performing. And then they throw the last ball and they spin around and they catch it and they smile and they put their arm in the air with a triumph. I caught it. And everybody claps for them and they're panting and breathing and smiling. And then they throw the ball off stage and they look like they're going to turn to the right. But they stop. They look at the audience and they say, you know what? I do this show a thousand times a year. You guys have been the best audience I've ever had. And for that, I thank you. And, uh, you know, I was going to do something else, but I want to share something special with you. And then they walk towards the audience. Or they, hey, Jim, bring out that special thing that I was never going to do for anybody else except for hmm. these people here. And then the people in the audience, if you've captivated them in the first and the second act, and also you paid them with make them laugh, you actually paid the people to pay attention to you because you took care of a need for them. You already paid them. Then you show them a skill which gives you credibility. Look, this guy or gal put 10,000 hours into learning this skill just for me. And then you do the make them cry or make them smile, the sentimental. And you show them, I really am a person. You really are a person. And you make them feel something. They, you make them feel something that they don't feel in their daily life. They don't feel at work. They don't feel at family. Room. They, you're talking to the actual individual. You're talking to Jim. You're not talking to Jim's family. You're not talking to Jim's uh, church or synagogue, mosque. You're talking to Jim specifically, and you're sharing a moment with him so that he feels his life at least matters for that minute. And by doing that, all three of these things, what you're hopefully doing is making the person feel better about themselves and more optimistic so that they actually do something by making them laugh you take away the pain that's holding them back. By making them clap, you make them feel that there's hope or that I could be something. I could do something. I could make a difference. And then you make them cry to let them know that you are important, that someone does care about you. By all three of these, you've just taken care of the fundamental needs of the human, what's called id or superego, the individual who makes the decisions 
they never get petted. Eating the chocolate, playing the video game, watching the movie, never really satisfies them because it's not directly for them. Is that structure will be used for both uh, adult shows and kids shows? Oh, very much so. I like to think of kids as little humans. <laughs> so they're the same thing. I've been reading some interesting surveys. There's something called the Kinsey Institute. And for the people whose ears just perked up with Kinsey Institute, no, not that portion of the Kinsey Institute. Uh, there is actually, it's, Kinsey Institute is a human behavioral uh, study. So they do a lot in uh, human sexuality, but that's not what I'm talking about. Kinsey Institute, and then also there's a, a portion of the Mayo uh, Clinic which does uh, human psychology and development. And we've been finding more and more proof that, well, children are humans with infinite possibilities. As we get older, we don't become something more. We actually lose possibilities, potential personality traits, potential abilities. Uh, as we get a, more and more of an adult, we eliminate abilities or pathways that we could choose in life. So you could really be close to anything when you're a child, but you make choices and that eliminates. So with children, you have so much more, they are more likely to believe something because they have less pathways that are blocked. They have more pathways open to them. So the only key that I can really tell you you must do with children, do not lie to children. Don't tell that, you know, and um, what's also great about children is and also adults, you don't need to state the obvious. If you're a magician and you on the table you have three coins, I understand, I know the reason that you want to go, on the table we have three coins. Well, you may, you may as a performer think that the laity are not that smart of people, which some people really aren't, but that being said, human beings are smart. Um, it's only when we become people with many other people around us that we become dumb, panicky animals. So that being said, you don't need to state the obvious. Don't ever lie to people. And I know you're saying as a magician or as a balloon artist, you need to lie to them. You, you don't. What you can do is show them something. Uh, show them the uh, puff dog tail. Like, so one of my favorite routines to do strolling, I even do this on stage. Uh, a lot of people have asked me to put out a video. We're, we're, gonna, we're working on that. Thank you. Is you make a balloon dog and then you have the little tip of the tail, which doesn't have any air in it. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. So essentially, as you finish it, you're going to ask the kid or ask the parent, you're going to find some reason to bring about magic, which doesn't have to do with you. So with kids, I would say, uh, do you remember when you were a kid? And the kid goes, yeah. <laughs> and I say, who are the most magical people in the world? And they'll, you know, they'll say, uh, I've had people say God, I've had people say Mickey Mouse. I've had people say, you know, all kinds of things, or they'll say you, meaning me, the magician. Well, if, um, if I say, no, the most magical people in the world are moms. Moms can juggle careers and families and babies. Have you ever seen a mom juggle babies before? They get them really high, and they smile and laugh. And the only reason I chose mom is because she's the one who's actually there. If it was dad, I would say dad or, or say grandmother. Or I would say if they don't have a mom there, I'd say, is anyone here a mom? And we'd find a mom and say, do you mind if we, if you help this young lady? Or say, you say to the young lady, young boy, could you ask this mom to help you? They say, uh, can you help us? You haven't told them what you're doing. You're setting up everything. And so you say, can you hold your finger up? And the little boy or little girl touches the tip of the, uh, the tail and nothing happens. You say, could you touch it one more time? Nothing happens. They say, ah, I see what we need here. 
Can you help me out? Can you ask this mom? Can you touch the mom's finger? Take the mom magic? Okay, can you put the mom magic here? And the little boy, little girl puts the, their, the tip of their own finger on the tail of the dog. And the tail pops. Everybody freaks out. And you wait until they, they're smiling and they're giggling and they're looking around for answers. Let them look around for answers. And then when they can't, everyone will look at you and you say, now what did you just learn? Give them about two or three seconds and sometimes they'll say it. But if they don't, you say, you just learned that moms are magical and you should listen to them and do whatever they tell you to do. And by the time you turn 18, you'll get superpowers. You'll be able to pay taxes and vote. <laughs> and everybody laughs. And then I say, because after 17, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> so um, just even in that little routine there, we essentially did all three of what we're talking about. But to answer your question directly, um, the kid is going to be the same thing as an adult. You can do that same routine to adults, but you just need to find out what they need. The kid, the reason I chose the adult as the magic giver or something is, number one, adults cause kids stress because adults put limitations on kids. Kids are actually very adept. They can do pretty much anything. The only thing that they're lacking, the only reason we need to put restrictions on kids is because they don't have the experience. They don't know that the fire will burn them. They don't know that jumping off that cliff will kill, will kill them because they don't. They have all those pathways open. They've never learned that. So by doing the routine like we talked about, you're making the kid laugh. You're making them, you're taking away their, their pain, their stress, which is the adult. You're showing them a skill, and but the skill comes from the parent. Apparently, if I listen to my parents, I get this skill. And then you're sharing that sentimental value because you say moms can juggle, you know, do all these things. So if you listen to your mom, you'll get superpowers. So just in that little routine, you can take your own routines that you already have and just try to try to take them apart and figure out where is it here that I'm hitting these three points. So you can do the same thing with adults. And in fact, adults love it. Um, most adults have, so adults and human beings, we have two chemicals in our brain. One is called serotonin and the other one is called melatonin. Melatonin helps you go to sleep. It's part of, it's the, we'll, we'll simplify it to melatonin fuels the subconscious. Serotonin fuels the waking brain, the conscious brain. When you're awake and walking around, that's serotonin that you're burning. When you're asleep or when something's going on in the back of your head, that's most likely ser uh, melatonin, which is being burned. Most adult human beings I've found and we've found have two minutes worth of serotonin. So if you can get somebody to talk for two minutes uh, or interact for two minutes, they burn up the serotonin trying to think and then their subconscious comes alive a bit more. And when that happens, when once the melatonin goes up in adults, they become children again. But what I say with marketing and such to my customers, if you can turn an adult into a child, a child, uh, an adult will spend money like a child. So an, like a child, if I give them uh, 100 euros and I tell them to go buy candy, they will put the 100 euros on the counter, take the candy, and they run away before they get their change. An adult will stay there. You can get an adult to use up and to turn into a child. They will leave the money. They will they will buy the extra piece for their car. They will buy the bigger house. So what you can do for children, you can do adults. What you can do for adults, you can do for children. You just have to understand what their need is in the moment. Love it. So the next thing I want to ask you is from your experience in the shows that you do these days, 
what is your take about prep work? Because a lot of balloon artists, they know how complicated some stuff are uh, and how, how much time you need to invest in preparing some, some really amazing stuff. And you want to get the claps. So sometimes to get the claps, you need to work hard. So what is your take from your vast experience about prep work and about adjusting balloons into, into shows? Okay, and this is specifically in shows. This is not uh, like put building a show, correct? This is actually your prep work for the actual material you'll be presenting on stage, correct? Okay. Yeah, like for a specific show today, mm-hmm. you have a show at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. What would you need to make to prepare for it in your real shows? And what is your train of thought in general for the audience? Okay, and th- this is a very... I appreciate that you asked this question. Um, we do get asked this question a bit. And... It's not difficult, but you need to understand how you do business before you can exactly answer that question. Um, I have a lot of entertainers who will book out. Um, they'll do what's called the commodity model. I, I hate to use brands' uh, names, but let's just pretend everybody knows this brand, McDonald's. McDonald's is everywhere. It sells many, many things at a very cheap cost. So therefore, the prep work that they do on it has to be limited versus a larger brand, um, a Louis Vuitton or a house builder, someone building a mansion. There will be more work because there's more money in it, but also it's just a different... Uh, so, so this one's called the um, um, the talent... Well, we're, we're going to call it the talent model. So if you don't mind me mentioning... Do you mind me mentioning a few people in the balloon industry? Go ahead. If those people are listening and I misdescribe mis- you, I apologize. You can always let me know. But from my viewpoint... Uh, everybody knows the great Don Caldwell, the great Buster Balloon. Apologize, Don Caldwell has retired. Uh, the great Buster Balloon. Um, I, when you look at him, he's a talent model. Okay, he doesn't. And I've been to his classes. You should take his classes. They're great. He doesn't sell millions of shows. He sells a few very high quality shows. So his prep work is a bit more extensive uh, because he makes nicer stuff. Stuff. But he makes nicer stuff because, number one, he has culled his client list. He knows who he's performing for, and he knows what the needs and the wants of the customer are. So if you're going to uh, – so Don Caldwell uses the talent model, okay? Um, and then there are other entertainers, especially in central Florida. Where else? Um, in um, England, there's a good portion of them. And in China, it's very much a commodity model. They try to sell as many things as they can as quickly as they can at a low price. So if you're an artist who's a vending machine giving away one one balloon dogs, um, you may be doing the commodity model. So your prep work is going to be inflate 300 balloons because in one hour I'm going to be making 301 balloon dogs uh, versus me when I'm doing my show. I have three different acts, and in fact, I do something in one of my shows that I really love is called the uh, Balloon Game Show, where I get the kids to promise to do chores, and they answer comedy trivia questions. No, I'm serious. Like, I, um, uh, I'll get, I'll, um, so I'll even do some, I'll do another version of it called a balloon auction. If I need to get the kids control, and I, it's a paying attention game, I will pre-make 10 or 15 creations that are like holy shimoli awesome creations. Um, I would say they're all advanced balloon art. Um, these are life-size trademark characters, untrademark characters, whichever I have permission for. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, or anything by Buster Balloon. <laughs> um, <laughs> so 
Uh, I have my backdrop on my show. Um, this is not a show that I'm in and out in 10 minutes. No, this is my own show. This is me at a uh, resort. This is me at a library. I showed up a couple hours beforehand. I have a backdrop up. I have a speaker system up. I tested my mics. Well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to get as much exposure for myself as I can. I pre-make 10 to 15 awesome creations. I put them inside of a clear gift bag. Okay, you can get these in shipping stores, but they're called uh, poly bags. And they're completely clear. They look like they're going to be displaying teddy bears and flowers. Um, I put those 10 to 15 up across my backdrop, right uh, on either side of my uh, company's name. So when people are taking photos of them, they always get my company name in there. I put them along my banners. I even make uh, Matt Falloon has a few creations that I like to do. And then David Brennan has his jumbos. His jumbos, wow, um, Go if you can, check out one of my websites. You'll learn how to use those jumbos to make a ton of money and to get a lot of people uh, to use your birthday services. That being said, so I'll make jumbos. I will make large... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what, what, which website? Oh, Where do you want go. people to so go? Performersresource.com. So that's performers, just like all of you, with an S. And then resource. That's where you're going to get what you need. We give out uh, templates and business card templates, uh, confirmation agreements, contracts. Uh, we teach you how to do um, sales pitches, phone scripts, uh, pretty much all the stuff you need uh, that nobody taught you. Well, we're going to try to make it uh, so that you can download some of the stuff and just put your logo on it while you're getting started. You'll learn kind of how it goes, but hopefully you'll get some confidence to try some fun things in business. And I'll put the link on the bluenartistpodcast.com so that people can uh, easily go there and find this, the place. So go ahead. So you in, were talking about sure. the jumbos and uh, the poly bags. Sure. So in, in summation, um, I'll put these creations up. Uh, so I'll pre-make, if I'm going to do a stage show and I want to incorporate balloons, I will look at my audience. I'm most likely needing to have 30 or more um, people in an audience. If I'm going to be doing a backyard birthday party or a living room birthday party, you're going to look around 25 um, kids and adults or 25 kids. If you're going to do a library show, it could be anywhere from 10 to 15 to 25 to 300 kids. A really sweet number for a balloon show for me is 15 pre-mades and maybe two display pieces. And the reason I do the pre-mades is, number one, those are birthday-level balloons. So even if I'm going to do line work before, well, you never do line work before a show. If I'm going to do line work after a show or if I'm going to make do my strolling shows afterward where I make balloons on request, well, I may not make the holy shimoli awesome stuff in the bags, but when kids ask me for them, I say, well, today we're making this, this, and this. The ones up there, you see them? Do you like them? Yes. Those are birthday-level balloons. So if you have me at your birthday party, you get to have anything you want. Really? It's amazing. Yeah, when I come to your party, I pre-make uh, 15, 25, or even 60 creations beforehand, and then I flood the room with a sea of balloons. So uh, making, pre-making all those things and allows me to have a lot of flexibility. Number one, I have them on display, so I can start my show off with, Hi, everybody. Does everybody like balloons? Yay! Who wants to get a balloon? They all raise their hand and say, All right, we only have 15 balloons. And how many of you are there? Oh, there's more than 15. So the people who are going to win these balloons are the people who are going to pay attention the best. I like you, miss. Look at you. Oh, look, she's got her legs perfect crisscross applesauce. Her hands are on her knees. She's smiling. She's looking at me. She's most likely going to win a balloon. 
You're doing a great job. And look at him. Look at him. He's sitting there right behind the line. He's smiling, and he's not hitting anybody. He's most likely going to win a balloon. Who else is going to win a balloon? And so essentially, like Danny Orleans, who's a great uh, magician, children's entertainer, um, one of the things, the gems that I got from his video was, again, you know, praising um, praising children who are doing good things. So, that, so pre-making balloons enables me to do a lot of things, market myself, um, control the children, but then also I can do that balloon auction. I'm just going to take 30 seconds to describe that. But essentially, it can either be, all right, everybody, uh, this is Jim, this is Janice. How are you? Nice to meet you. Okay, you're going to stand here, you're going to stand here. All right, so the winner of the next choice of the balloon is going to be somebody who's going to clean the room, clean the room. Do we hear a clean my room? He's going to clean the room. Okay, ma'am, are you going to massage your mom's feet? Massage your mom's feet? I have to massage my mom's feet. You have to wash your dad's car, wash your dad's car, wash your dad's car. Oh, oh, retire the roof. Congratulations, a new winner. And he gets to choose the next one. And again, you do this through the 10 or 15. The kids love it. They're going crazy. The parents, I've had parents spit <laughs> spit drinks out. Go, oh, my God, he'll never do that for me. So, so you can do that. Um, the other one is a game show where, again, you bring up three kids. They all have a different um, chair. And there's a really cool thing you can do. You can take what's called a hex nut. We actually had Ralph Dewey oh. on the last chapter that came out like uh, yesterday. Oh. And he was explaining about the hex nut. So I have a picture of a hex nut on the balloon artist podcast. All right. <laughs> Put a hex nut in a 9-inch balloon or an 11-inch balloon. I use a yellow balloon because it's bright and what they're going to do. So put it in there, and you, you, part of your games of skill in the middle of it is you're going to show how to balance balloons, how to do, how to shoot balloons through the air, how to catch them, all kinds of things. But then also how to make a balloon sing. You do that with the hex nut, or if you're in the United States, or if you're in a country that has a coin that has little ridges around the edge. In the United States, you can use a, a quarter, which has the little ridges, and you can get a slight sound. But you spin it to do it. You have to actually control it because you can't just shake your hand. It's just kind of blah, 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 blah. But to make them sing, you have to spin it. And the first kid to buzz in to go, number one, the kids love watching this happen. The kids have to concentrate, and uh, the parents love it. And, again, you're exerting control. So the first three, three kids, each one of them has a yellow balloon in their hand, and they have to spin it till it sings. And then I go, Janice. And Janice goes, um, <laughs> uh, uh, European swallow. You know, and she, <laughs> she, she gets the answer. I go, perfect. All right, Janice, you get two things. Number one, you get to pick the next person coming up. And so they pick like a little boy. Okay, come on up. And while that little boy or girl's coming up, and Janice, you get to pick the next creation off of a wall that you want to win. And they go, I want that. And they pull it down. Great. By the time you've done that, and you've sent her on her way, taken a photo with her. Uh, the little boy or girl that she chose came up, and now you have your next third one. So again, you can do 10 or 15. And this, these auctions are awesome ways to control and um, they book birthday parties like crazy. It's, it's, everybody wants you. They want that specific show. I, I book that more than anything else right now. So the balloon auction is like good entertainment for the adults as well because they want to get those prizes from their kids. And it's very entertaining. And I bet, I just bet that uh, uh, occasionally a kid will just offer an upgrade in the auction and like he will raise his hand, he will have something to say and I bet you give them to say what they want to do and they will say something so touching like I want to give mommy a hug and yep. a gush. Yeah, oh yeah, yep, you can do that. And again, what you're doing is at the end of it, like, like if you didn't get a balloon, don't worry about it. If you clean your room once a week until your birthday, you can have me at your birthday party. Who wants to have me at their birthday party? And all the parents, half of them go, 
he's a genius. And the others go, he's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. Okay, that, that was so cool. Uh, you definitely, I, I just want to re- uh, reiterate because you said something really smart about prep work. And, you know, you mentioned it yourself. Prep work is something that a lot of people ask about. And um, uh, I, even, even I, I have like two different shows, one with like 20 minutes prep work, just the birthday level balloon, and one uh, with like one hour and a half yeah, of yeah. prep work with like a huge flower that can be changed into a mouth and the face of a giant and you know the idea of looking at your show uh, if it's a commodity show or if it's a talent show that's very important because you need to justify the extra time but if you are already doing a show in front of so many kids in that i don't know country club or shopping mall or stuff like that then uh, you probably need to think about your marketing and you want people to to book you again. So uh, I understand you have a very interesting approach about marketing your shows. Can you tell us a little bit about how you manage to get those shows for you? Yeah. So actually, there's quite a lot of different ways to market your show. So, well, let's let's walk through real quick just a couple examples. Um, You're going to go up to a restaurant or go up to a store and say, hey, um, I would like to work for you. Well, you have to have a lot of um, credibility with them. They have to have seen you, hopefully. They have to know. You have to try to educate them on what it is that you do. You would then have to come up, uh, overcome a stigma. Oh, wait, balloons are free, right? And then you have to educate them on, well, I have people who can come, and they'll love you, and they'll buy your products and all this. And, well, unless they've actually seen you before or unless they've actually had a program before, it's just it's a lot of work, and you're not guaranteed. And also, you just did couple weeks worth of work for you know one one show and that was it maybe you get a couple out of it um, you can then you can work on selling to maybe you find a bank in your area and you say I want to do all of your grand openings that's great um, you do maybe five grand openings this year and two or three or four the next year and one or two the next year or something like that and you have to fight for that because other people are going to try to take your client away from you or they're going to run out of money, they're going to get bought by somebody else, they're just going to stop doing it, they're going to get a new manager. So again, all of these things are uncertainty. So when you're marketing, you have to think, number one, double victories. How do I get two victories out of one um, one project's work? And then also you want to think, what is the most secure way for me to make a living and do what I love? And I have found that the most secure way to do that is to make my own events. Making your own events means that, number one, yes, you do. You live or die by your own, your own ability to work. But you're already doing that. But, but most importantly is you have complete control over who you invite, what the pricing is. You have complete control over the marketing and marketing the show actually markets your services and your products and gets people to hire you. Um, when I create a show, I will make a relationship. The world is about relationships. Business is relationships. What can you and I do together? What can I do for you? How can I give you extra value? Your podcast and um, your programs are all about that. Bloomstock is all about that. Uh, so. The idea here is that I'm going to make a relationship with someone who either has a venue. If I don't have my own venue, my own theater, I'm going to make a relationship who has their own venue and or 
someone who has their own membership. Museums, libraries, schools, churches, synagogues, mosques, um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, Rangers, um, all of these organizations have either their own venue or they have their own membership. If I can create a product, a show, if I can create a balloon auction, if I can create some kind of product that people will want to come to, I can do several things. Number one, I can grow my own tribe. I can grow the people who follow me. In South Florida, I'm known as, I'm known as two things, depending on wh where they saw me. I'm known as either the man in the red suit, and people I actually, by request, started selling T-shirts where the T-shirts look like red vests, just like the one I wear. And I, I, I never understood this at first. Why would someone want to look like me? But again, it's, you're building a tribe. People want to belong. So I'm known as the man in the red suit, or I'm known as the Palm Beach balloon artist. And this is slightly different than a lot of, like, there are, there's the Tampa Bay balloon guy. You all know who he is. There's the, um, uh, the Munich balloon guy, you know, all this. But when you say the Palm Beach balloon artist, it's something slightly different. Because unlike other places, Palm Beach is a society instead of a city. The Palm Beachers are, and I, this is one of the keys to my success before you, if, if you all find out what I charge, you should be like, there's no way I could make that anywhere else. Uh, in Palm Beach, it's just this weird little microcosm. People who live in Palm Beach also have houses in Manhattan and in the Hamptons. They also have an apartment in Paris. They also have a place in, um, in London. Um, these are the jet setters of the world. Okay, these are the 100 millionaires and billionaires, all this. So I'm known as the Palm Beach balloon artist. And so they all take pride in, did you get the Palm Beach balloon artist? And of course they did. So I created a talent model around myself. All the events that the shows that I create, they're my events. I invite them to my events. And by getting the Palm Beach crowd to come to my events, every dang business in the area solicits me. The people that I, the car dealerships, um, the insurance brokers, the real estate people, um, hairstylists, they, instead of me going, hey, I would like to work uh, outside your salon, I'll make balloons for people, you can pay me such and such an hour, instead of me begging them to work for them, they beg to pay me to display at my events. And I can make any deal I want. They pay me a certain amount of money, they also give me advertising to all their customers, uh, they, I can ask them pretty much for anything that I want, and they also have a tribe that I can access. A, hair, uh, a car dealership will invite all of their VIPs, the people who bought the top-of-the-line car. They'll invite, I, I make it so that they invite them to my events. So now I'm also getting their best uh, customers, hair salons, banks. I'm getting their big spenders. I'm inviting them all to come to my event, and they now become part of my tribe. Gosh, like uh, I'm, al I'm already sold. So I want to have my own events. So tell me a, a little bit about the technicality. What do you mean? I'm, am, I go am I going to rent a place? W what would you do? Like, give us the sure. details. Okay, so you can do one of two things. Renting your own event means you have 100% control. Uh, as long as it's all legal, you rent the place, you can do whatever you want. You can charge tickets, you can put banners up for your sponsors, you can do whatever you want. It's your space for this time. Um, if you are going to get somebody else's venue, so if I work for a library, libraries have a stipulation. What I do must be available to the public for free, which I can do. 
if I can invite the right people to an event, uh, I can get the sponsors to come in and they'll pay me. Um, or I can sell tickets. I can, I can raise funds for churches or a synagogue. And as a bonus, I give them the front rows of the seats. Okay. So the first thing you're going to do, establish a relationship uh, with the with a venue. And the first thing you're going to do is look at your area. You're going to figure out what the demographic is. Demographic means the numbers or the specific traits of the people who live in your area. The best way to do this is to look at real estate um, websites. In the United States and Europe, there's one called Zillow, Z-I-L-L-O-W. I believe they're also in Australia. Uh, there's also Realtor.com. Um, you can go to Redfin.com. You can go on to all of these and they'll, uh, people buying homes, you can actually click and you can go by zip code, by mail delivery zone. You can check the demographics. They will give you, they can't give you what race it is. They can't give you what religion it is. But they can tell you how much the people are making. And if you look at the median home values in the areas, I select which churches, which schools, which um, libraries to work with and form a relationship based on the income of the people who are going there. So in the United States, I want to be in a neighborhood where people are making between 150 and you know a mil- you know a million. Well, let's just say 150 and 250 thousand dollars a year. The people who can afford a $700,000 or a million dollar home, those are the people I want to work for because if they're making $200,000 a year, I can charge $2,000 to do a birthday party for their kids. Um, they also work for companies that are going to be able to pay my normal parlor show even. So, But, but when they go to your controlled uh, audience show where you decided the date, you decided the location, you, you uh, basically chose all the setup, you will, how, how much will you charge for a ticket? You'll not charge a lot because you basically are doing uh, marketing, I'm guessing. Yeah, so you, that's great. And yeah, you, but you can do it two different ways. So there's a guy named Carl Coppertop. That's, we'll, we'll use his show name, Carl Coppertop. He's seriously, uh, I've seen so many magicians and performers on in the play. He's one of the best magicians in the world. And he's one of the best business people I've ever met. And the, the most important thing he taught me was um, you get paid to advertise. You get paid to audition. So when you go to a restaurant, you're getting, you're getting paid by the restaurant. And you make your nicest stuff. You pre-ma- I pre-make stuff before I go into a restaurant. I bring it with me. And this way, uh, or my big display I do in the front, I make sure that that's known as a birthday balloon. So um, getting paid to audition is the most important thing I would hammer home to you. Uh, when you're doing your own event, you can charge people to show up to an event, which is free to you. Because, again, you're providing a service to them. They're coming to see a show. If you think about, um, in my area, uh, if you take a kid, to a family to go to the movies, it's going to be 11 or $12 per person per ticket. You're going to spend another 10 to $15 per person on food or drinks. You know, you're going to go out to ice cream afterward or something like that. So you're looking at about $30 per person to go out for the night. So if I can take a Thursday or a Friday night and I can put on a balloon show where some of the kids will win prizes, um, the balloons are for the kids, the bad, dumb jokes are for the adults, just like a Pixar movie, they're willing to pay for that and they feel that there's a slight bit of wholesomeness to it. It's not the movie. It's a live actor who they've seen before and they love. And uh, we even have some of the performers from the area. They pass the hat. I mean, I pay them a portion of money to come, but they also pass the hat. And it's a really fun experience. So you can charge people to come to a free show. 
There are other options, though. Uh, I run something called fundraisingaz.com. So that's F-U-N-R-A-I-S-I-N-G-A-Z.com. Don't worry, you won't be able to buy anything there, but you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. And we raise money for organizations, for churches and synagogues, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, what have you, and we raise money for them. Uh, we bring in sponsors, we set up the event, um, but we also sell tickets. And so you can sell tickets to your own events, and I give a portion of the money to the uh, organization. So I'm able to take the church, we'll just use the church, we'll, you'll be able to use the church's um, membership, we'll come to the event, they all buy, they all sponsor, they make a donation to the church, and they get a, a ticket or a seat for that uh, to my show. And then I also have back-of-the-room sales there. When they show up, I'm able to bring in sponsors. Local car dealerships are able to come in, and they can buy booth space in the back. I can have people who will have their banners up. I can have people who named the event. And the reason that they're willing to do this is because I can tell them, here's the demographics. I can tell them, here's the demographics. The people who are coming to this event, they make between $150,000 and $250,000 per year per household, and they live in this postal district. So they're willing to pay extra sponsorship money. So again, you can do a talent event, but what's this event doing? You're able to sell tickets. You're able to book birthday parties. Oh, I didn't tell you that. I have a giant calendar in the back of the room, and it says, book your birthday party. So they come up at the end of the event. They love me. While I'm signing autographs, my assistants are booking birthday parties. And they're I have a giant, giant, I mean, giant calendar the size of a mattress. And when's your birthday? And they say, February 3rd. Oh, I hope it's available. And you get the kid or you flip these giant pages and take it to February. And then you look and, is it available? And they go, yes. All right, sign your name on the top. Mom, sign this form for me. And here's the credit card reader. So, um Essentially, the idea here is that you're going to be – everything is numbers. Everything is uh, relationships. You're going to want to create, create your own tribe. You're going to want to be able to follow up with these people. Um, so, yes, so creating your own event allows you to control it. You also get your marketing. You create um, – number one, you qualify and call, meaning clean out your client list. So the only people who are calling – if the only people who see you are, pay, are coming to parties where you charge $2,000, you charge the client $2,000, Guess what? They can afford $2,000. Most likely, the people that they hang around with can afford $2,000. Or if they can't, when you tell them $2,000, they think, oh, no, I saw them at the Stein party, and the Steins probably paid $2,000. That means I have to pay. If the Steins are coming to my party, they're going to know if I have him, I can afford $2,000. So it, it, it's, it's a win, 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 win all around. Wow. And uh, w if you have to give a recommendation for someone that just starts to try this strategy, this is not a tactic, this is strategy. Yeah. So if someone decides to start to take control and create his own business, how often would you recommend? How often would I recommend what? Doing these events? Yeah. Well, as often as I sh actually you can. So you're going to want to choose about, you're going to create your own event at least three months out. Okay, so if you're starting your business today, you're not going to do these shows tomorrow. Um, the year is cut up into quarters, business quarters. Depending on where you live, you have to know what happens in those quarters. In the United States, in the north, the summer is a very busy time. In the south, it's not busy at all. So um, in the winter, the south is a very busy time. In the north, it's not too busy. So you have to know which time of the year is the busiest. 
in the United States and in Europe and in Australia, um, December 8, or the weekend that is closest to December 8, is the biggest corporate event weekend of the year. If you're not charging your maximum rate on that day, and you're going to be leaving money on the table because it's the busiest day. So um, if you're starting today, you're going to plan out three months. You're going to say, in three months, I'm going to have my first promotional event. And so you're going to look at uh, websites to find out. And if you have a government that has a census, which pretty much everybody has to, um, in the United States, you can go to the Department of the Interior, uh, or you can go to, there are some smaller organizations off of the Internal Revenue Service. In England, it's going to be Her Majesty's uh, <laughs> the Census Bureau, and you're going to be able to find out the demographics of who lives near you. So for me, um, I drive my, my driving radius is six hours north, six hours south, and six hours west, although I would hit the other side of the ocean. Um, so I look at all of the areas there, and the first thing I'm going to do is find out who lives in the areas that I want to be in. I write down all of these uh, postal codes. I write down what the makeup of families are, single independent people. I find out who has families and who's a 20 to 30-year-old who doesn't have children but has disposable income. I then say, okay, this area would be good for a family show. This area would be good for my parlor show, which is for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50-year-old adults who have disposable income. And this would be my area for um, government or family events or to sell products. If I'm selling products off of a rack, this area is going to be the best. So um, that's the first thing that I do, and I make a map. And so I know that these zip codes are there. Then I go to those places. Let's, so I'm going to call there's a, there's a city called Jupiter in Florida. It's self-made millionaires who live there or people who own their own companies. They have disposable income, and they make decisions. They are the perfect customer for any business. So I go to Jupiter, and I go throughout. All, I go to the, uh, the tourist bureau. I go to each of the restaurants that are in trendy areas. I go to the nicer uh, stores and shops, and I pick up every single magazine that I can find. Every magazine that is a local magazine, and I collect them. Once I've gone to all the zip codes, all the areas, all the cities that I want to be in, I open up those magazines and I start tearing up pages. I circle advertisements because the people who, the companies who are advertising in those magazines, they think that the people in Jupiter, the people in Boca Raton, the people in Washington, D.C., these are their customers. So I will then set a date where I'm doing an event in Jupiter. I've worked it out with the library. I've got uh, my Eventbrite. Um, ticket sales ready. I've got all my posters. I've got my marketing materials ready. I then send, uh, get introduced to one of my favorite tactics is I will call up a car dealership. I'll, I'll call up a company. Let's just say I'll call up a car dealership or a, uh, a restaurant or a resort and I'll say, hi, my name is John, uh, Jason Bressler from the Chamber of Commerce, Commerce that you belong to. Ask me to give you a call. Um, he says that you're looking to get more customers. Is that correct? They say, yes, great. I have an event in Jupiter at this zip code, which is exactly where your customers are. They're also where my customers are. We're having an event. The event is going to cost me $7,000 to put on. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to, instead of paying $7,000 to put on your own event, I'll put on the event and I'll ask you to pay $700. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. By the way, 
We'll have 800 people coming there. The median uh, income is 150 to $250,000. And uh, this is all the demographic research. Essentially, I copy and pasted what I got out of the government website, and I sent it to this company. And this company thinks I'm legit. Uh, it says, well, yeah, how did he know that we are selling to those exact customers? Well, I saw that you advertised to them, so you want to get a hold of them. So again, these magazines are an easy, quick way of finding out which companies can sponsor you. And then again, you sell you sell the tickets, and then on stage you just say, "I just wanted to thank so and so car company." You know, they really do care about you and your children. They are the ones who funded it, and they also they brought in. You see all these extra performers here; they're the ones that made that happen, or they have a gift bag for you, or they have an offer. So essentially, the long story long, they um, it's a win-win. You're able to find easily who wants to advertise by going to these magazines or just pay attention to who's selling to the demographic that you want to work for. Will you do this kind of an event and aim to break even, aim to make money? Like when you start, I mean. All right. To quote Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> when he was asked, what is good in life? I say, crush your enemies, see them driven before you and hear the crying of their women. <laughs> no, so, so no, so um, when you're starting off, uh, you're going to be faced with a dilemma. Most, a lot of people who are not middle class, if you're working class, and a lot of us started out. And just to give you a background, I started out very. I, I came from a working class uh, family. Okay, we, we didn't, we weren't brought up or taught that you could, you could own your own business. You could make. I mean, these were things that other people did. So I know a lot of you that are listening. Either you came from this, or this is where you are. You just, you don't know that you could start a business, and you can. I mean, if you're listening to these podcasts, you must have had that idea somehow, because these podcasts teach you how to run a business. So you're going to be faced with, do I or don't I? So I would suggest that you you do it, and you run your own. You run your own company. Never run your company to fail. From day one, you should be aiming to make money, okay? So, and then you're going to couple that with something that called never let them see you bleed. When you run an event, you're going to aim to make money from the day one. The first day, the first one you make may not have a lot of people there, but no one will ever know that. You're going to take photos, you're going to take photo videos, you're going to get video testimonials and all this, and you are going to send out like crazy, oh my gosh, we had so much fun, look at this smile on this kid's face, there's so many of you to thank, and this car dealership was here, we just want to thank you so much, blah, 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 and again, you send this information to the car dealership, you know, you wanted 800 people to be there, only 400 people were there, you know what, that's not a problem. You're going to send the car dealership as many smiling faces as you can. They're going to use that in their own Twitter, their own marketing, their own Facebook. And it was a success. This way people will see and they'll say, ah, i got to come to the next one. Uh, but regardless of that, you're not actually hoping to make money off of the seats. The seats is where I, make, I, make, I break even. That pays for my costs and all that. Everybody who comes there has a certain share of a show. They're all working as business partners for me. The people coming to see the show, they're pay if, again, if that event's going to cost me $7,000 to put on, I'm charging everybody $20. $20 times, let's just say, 1,000 people. That's $20,000. They all pay more than paid for the show. Okay, if I do two shows and it's 1,000 people over two shows, you know, that's, that's, that's still $20,000. 
And if it costs me $10,000 to put on, great. I just paid for all that. I made money off of the show. If I only get 400 people to show up, still, I'm paying towards the price that it costs me to put on the show. After that, a second thing, I have a second business. And you're going to think of it as a second business. It's the sponsorship business. Okay? So if, if, the, if the show goes down in flames, 100 people came, you lost money on the show, well, that business lost money. Your performance business lost money. But your sponsors, you had three of them, each paying $600. That was pure profit. That was the two to three months of me soliciting businesses. I just got paid $3,000. And if I'm doing four of these events per month, all across my area, you average it out and you are presenting to the world that you are a talent model and they should respect you and interact with you on a talent model. Uh, if they can't afford you, they shouldn't call you to take up your time. But the whole time you're making money because you're averaging all of your events across the board, You'll, you're not going to lose money. How many events do you, do you do these days like this? Do, are you still doing the... We are. Um, so what, what I just described to you has actually been turned over to Fundraising AZ. Fundraising AZ does that. Um, I'm not saying that I don't need money and all that, but just there's a certain time when you you guys are all business owners, and if, you ha if you've reached this point, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't reached this point, keep listening to the podcast, use the skills, and you'll eventually get there. Um, but eventually, when you don't need the money anymore and you're doing it for the passion and the love, um, you really do. You work with your accountant and say, what do we need? They say, what do you need? You build that into your business plan. And when the numbers are hit and met, that's great because the, the, the machinery keeps going and it frees you up to do the passion, the, um, the planning or the performing. So Fundraising AZ is the one that does that um, continuously now. Um, the other company I have, Balloon Art World, is all private parties. And that one has taken a slight back seat, which is weird because that's where I came from. But I, I only do select birthday parties bar mitzvahs, quinceaneras, divorce parties um, through Balloon Art World. Divorce? I've done, yeah, yeah, I don't do them anymore. They are so weird. I'm not a prude you know, or anything, but they are so weird. I'll never do another one again. <laughs> the last one I, le <laughs> I left walking out as a, a donkey was coming in. Um, so, so, but anyway, so, uh, and then I have something called Red Suit Experience, which is my big claim to fame. And that one is we do create our own events, but we create them for clients. So we take the same things I just told you about, and we don't apply them to for ourselves. We apply them to for our customers. Um, so we'll have a car company um, or we'll have a, uh, a luxury brand, and we will take the exact same thing I just told you about, and we'll put it all into effect for them. And guess what? There is no risk there because I tell them what they need to pay and what their expected um, numbers are to, to be met. They pay a flat fee, and I never lose a dime. If I hit their mark, awesome. They hire me again. If I fall short, I don't work for them again. It's, it's simple and easy like that. But once you start becoming a lucky charm for a business, they don't drop you. Uh, they, they will keep you. Uh, gosh, I feel like uh, you've given so much value to the listeners, to those that uh, just want to go into entertainment. Then you gave them the, the structure of the show with the vaudeville three phases, laugh, make them laugh, make them clap, make them cry. And you gave them the tips about the, the balloon auction, which is just an amazing uh, idea, and about prep work and about uh, all the persona ideas 
uh, which are just um, so, so important. I, I can so much relate to that. And you also gave a lot of uh, tips for the more advanced uh, entertainers, those that, those that already are uh, in the market, they have a good show, but they struggle, they struggle. And uh, that strat- strategy of uh, creating your own business, gosh, you, you made a fortune out of uh, choosing uh, to play, uh, to, to think big. You chose to think big, and I, I just take my hat off again. So thank you. thank you so much for for all, all of those information. We we could have a, have you again in this <laughs> show and talk about because I know you you only talked about yeah. some of the stuff that you do and um, you 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 also have a lot of good ideas about back of the room sales and so on. So we'll just have to bring you on back again. But for now, uh, tell people about uh, where they can where they can learn more about John Watkins. Sure, I, I appreciate it. if you if if you want to learn about me. Ask my friends. Talk to my friends to come come to one of the balloon conventions, one of the magic conventions, and talk to them. Uh, if you see me, come say hi. I, I want to talk with you. Uh, if you want to learn more about what my passion is right now, um, check out performersresource.com. Uh, the reason that I, I ask you to do that is that's a passion project for me. Uh, it's not something that I'm looking to make money off of. Uh, what we want to do for you is to provide you uh, certain tools, materials, encouragement, advice, tips, and structure to help you be successful in your business or in uh, your performance. So it's a little bit of teaching you some thoughts on business. Uh, it's a lot of how to be a performer and how to be a performer of value, that you're doing something for the people that you like, uh, that, that you're working for. So um, you'll be able to get uh, business card templates and phone scripts. You'll be able to learn how People who are trying to hire you are running phone scripts. Uh, you'll be able to learn how to do a lot of the things that we talked about. So if you can go to performersresource.com, uh, we are building it. So there's always going to be something new. Um, and we do appreciate your feedback. If there's something that you need help on or that you want to share with us, uh, we really value that. Um, and then also to thank you for listening to the podcast today and then also being for a loyal follower of the podcast. Uh, we would like to extend, I believe, we have a video of one of my performances Again, this is not to make me look that important, but just to show you that I use what we talked about. You'll be able to recognize in a, a short video um, uh, of me on stage, I was able to use everything we talked about and uh, use it in front of other performers, which is the most difficult performance I hear. Uh, and then also, we're also going to be putting together a special deal for you. Uh, like I said, everything is at cost for us to do anything we offer on performersresource.com is at cost. But that being said, we're going to put together a uh, special package of um, tips, tricks, and actual um, turnkey, which means that they're all ready to go, meaning you get all the templates and um, scripts and everything. Um, they're, everything's ready to go. It's essentially a businesses in a box, and you'll get several to choose from so that you can figure out which one works best for you. Uh, essentially, we're doing those at cost, but we're going to bundle them together and essentially sell them for even a slightly less cost. But again, we're not trying to make money. This is essentially the cost of the materials, the parts you'll actually get in some of the boxes, some of the things you'll get. You're actually going to get like actual physical in-hand items, which you can use to help your business. And uh, again, the prices are all just at what it cost us to put that together and make it for you. So if you can check it out and give us some feedback, we'd really appreciate that. We want to help the industry. Uh, balloons, magic, stilts, juggling, ventriloquism, uh, stand-up comedy, essentially anybody who's a, uh, a variety entertainer, 
that's what we're looking to do. And if you'd like to help us grow in your particular industry, maybe you're a juggler, uh, we'd really appreciate anybody who wants to help us uh, grow in those other industries. So guys, if you got anything out of this interview, and I think I, I personally got like about seven things that I will try and use in my shows, in my uh, business, and if you got something, you really just do, do yourself a favor and go to performanceresource.com, take a look at that project, uh, I'll give all the links in the show notes and in the outro so that people could understand where they can find that um, magical bundle of yours, which is something that definitely you should uh, take a look at. Because I, I, I know John, uh, because I've talked, I did uh, my homework, I've I spoken with um, some of his friends, and uh, gosh, he's, he's the real thing. So thank you so much, John Watkins. Thank you, everyone, and see you soon. What an awesome interview. Gosh, John Watkins just over-delivered, just as expected of John Watkins. And really, uh, I have to share with you a, a short story. 24 hours after making the interview, uh, this lady called me for a corporate event. She wanted my balloons. She thought it would be a good idea that I will just do a line work uh, thing inside the festival with many, many other talents and entertainers. And I told her, look, I have three levels of uh, balloon entertainment. I have the line work level, I have the guessing game level, and I have the balloon auction level. And the balloon auction works like this. And I gave her basically all the information that I learned from John while interviewing him. And she was laughing so much from just the idea of the balloon auction. And she booked the balloon auction, which was more expensive than a line walk. She usually pays 300 bucks for a line walker. And here she was able to secure 700 bucks for the balloon auction. So really, it was just phenomenal. The balloon auction idea is awesome. Many ideas that John uh, explains, like make them laugh, make them clap, make them cry. I'm already implementing those into my shows. Gosh, just ideas are awesome. So I hope you take something out of the interview. Thank you so much for listening. I just want to say again, thank you guys for supporting the show, for listening for checking up the balloon stock app which will soon come out in a brand new version a very very cool surprise about its features it will include so many products and it will also come out in two versions so that's a, a secret piece of information we will explain everything soon probably in the next chapter or so and you'll understand everything you need to know about the Balloonstock apps, really. So thank you again for your time. I will be meeting you in the Balloon Artist Facebook group. And see you soon, guys. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and we are in the tips section of Season 2, Chapter 6. And today I want to give you two quick sales skills tips. Sales skills tips. Um, those are tips that I got from the book Sell or Be Sold by Grant Cardone. Uh, it's a very long, thorough book about selling, a little bit too thorough, but 
It contains really cool ideas and I'm implementing those into my business and they work. I, uh, I just knew they will because uh, Grant Cardone has some really awesome content out there like the 10x rule. So um, the first tip is um, always agree with your customer. Always agree. Always agreeing to your customer means even if they are telling you something that you don't agree and that it is not correct, you need to start by agreeing. You need to start by saying, I agree that I would think the same like you do uh, if that's all I know. But I have some things I can share with you about additional packages, about the benefits of my services and so on, so that... Once we go into the details, I'm sure you will feel like uh, this will be a good fit for you. So again, when you're agreeing with every, everything that the customer says, you can maintain the conversation and you can basically handle the objections. The second tip is when someone is telling you that your price is too high, that means that you need to offer them something which costs more. And the reason is that they're telling you that the price is too high because it is too high for the value that you're providing for that specific uh, package. So after you say, okay, I do have a, a higher cost package, which also includes this, this, and that. And by the way, I didn't tell you, but the, the previous package, it also contains one of the benefits of the three. So if you do that, someone might even come back to the original price and say, well, actually, now that I know everything, it's a good price. Or they might upgrade. Uh, if they tell you, no, I, I just don't have the budget, I don't have m the money, then again, it's better to at least try this tactic than just to give up on advance. And I've been experimenting with it, offering higher fees when someone says I don't have the budget for this. Just it creates a very interesting conversation and so far i've been able to secure a few gigs this way so i'm sharing this with you hot from the oven you can try it you can check out the book and i wish you a pleasant ride uh, thank you for being with me here in this ride of mine of the balloon artist podcast i i thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for listening for considering my ideas and also for coming back every week to the website, theballoonartistpodcast.com and checking up those content upgrades. See you soon, guys.